What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Raise the Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. We have a packed show for you this week, including the Invincible finale, where we talk all about that battle and all that we're geeking out on this week. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. Back for issue number seven of the Raise the Geek podcast. Another Saturday, another beautiful Saturday for us. Wednesday for you guys all listening out there. Hope your week has been great. It's new comic book day. Don, what's going on, man? Chris, what's happening, my man? Traditional Saturday, recording Saturday again. Here we are. It's uh, beautiful weather-wise here in Chicago. Um, just having a good weekend so far everything everything's going good watching some some stuff on tv entertaining myself just having a having a good time how about you how's your weekend going man it's raining and flooding uh, and oops. it's just kind of gross but i did my civic duty today and voted for our mayor and uh, yes by the time everyone out there is listening to it i'll be two weeks since my second dose of covid so right now i'm still vulnerable come Wednesday when you guys listen to this I'll be superhuman it'll be great yeah you're gonna be walking around no mask breathing on everybody oh yeah Um, everybody's getting a hug hug on every stranger you see on on every stranger I'm gonna be like a British royalty doing the double kiss on the cheeks it's just it's gonna be all about swapping those fluids yeah man we can't we can't wait to get back to our germ sharing ways here as a society yeah you know missing that high five I've been watching. I've been watching pretty much this week. Watch the first season of Deadwood, and they're all spitting in each other's hands and shaking to to solidify a deal. I'm like, man, it's been a year since I spit in my hand and shook someone's hand. Man, if 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 coronavirus was really ever going to exist in another time period, it would feel like that would be the time back then. Uh, cowboy times, like they were spreading all kinds of everything. Well, you know, they had their own issues. You know, smallpox, the plague. You know. Yeah. And then, you know, 1918, they had their flu. <laughs> right. The the big the big flu before ours, they uh, they went through it, too, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, how awesome was it that I know we were watching the NFL draft. And oh, yeah. picked up a quarterback. Nobody thought they would. would. Everyone was questioning if they were going to go for a quarterback since they dropped $10 million on Andy Dalton to come in for one year to be the man. And now they kind of surprised everyone with a trade up from pick 20 to pick 11 to grab fields right yeah man first of all let me tell you it's hard to be a bears fan uh it's a struggle but when you're raised a bears fan like we've been raised geeks we were also raised bears fans so uh as a fan base it's it's been it's been a hard few years not even few years couple decades you know they they never could seem to get it right especially at the quarterback position who we've been through in our lives, you know, Rex Grossman, even though we went to the Super Bowl with him, but no thanks to him. That was like a dominating defense. That's why we were there. And we all lived with Jay Cutler and, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky most recently. And every Chicago Bears fan is like, where's our quarterback? Where's our, where's our Aaron Rodgers? Where's our Tom Brady? Where's our uh, Russell Wilson? Whoever you want to name, like a franchise guy. And now this year, it seems like they might have finally done something right uh Justin Fields 
renowned college quarterback for Ohio State. You know, he's played on the biggest stages, and we've all seen him go out there and and light it up. And uh, man, he's a bear. Didn't did not see that coming. Um, didn't see the Bears being able to trade up from twenty to eleven to get him, but uh looks like a bright future. There there's no guarantees in the NFL that he will pan out. You know, you never know with these young players, but I feel better about uh our standing as far as quarterbacks go than I have probably my entire life. Like we've never had a franchise quarterback as long as we've been alive. So yeah, you have to go back to Jim McMahon in 85, you know, when the Bears right. were unstoppable. I mean, that was the last real franchise outside of that. They've been really just trying to fall on other teams, you know, like, Oh, let's go get uh man. I'm blanking on his name. And you just said it, which guy Denver Jay. Oh, Cutler Cutler. Jesus. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like you you find another quarterback who did well somewhere else and let's bring him in. Let's bring in these old guys who are kind of doing kind of like Denver wants to do with Aaron Rodgers now. And you find these like established quarterbacks and we'll just bring them and plug them into our system and they're just going to be great again. And you're like, no, that doesn't work. And then they tried. They did their their, you know, infamous, especially if you're from Chicago, the infamous, you know, Mitch Trubisky draft pick when you could have grabbed uh, Watson or Mahomes and you trade up to get Mitch Trubisky. So. You yeah. know, I mean, that was them trying. They thought they saw something. And if it would have worked, they would have been geniuses and they would have been, you know, the man, the office staff would have been, you know, high fiving themselves. But yeah, I'm I'm still shocked to this day that <clears throat> Ryan Pace is still around this year to make this pick. I mean, I like the picks. I feel like he's done good in this draft so far because after Fields, he's drafted two offensive linemen to make sure he protects that quarterback because the offensive line has also been shit for like the past years. Um, but I like, I've, I've still been shocked that he's even still there after the Trubisky debacle. I mean, he traded up, like you said, he traded up to get that guy and it like set the franchise back five years, just taking, I mean, he took the wrong guy. And usually, usually when you do something like that, especially when you got Mahomes. And Watson, well, maybe not Watson so much anymore. That's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but Mahomes, a guy you passed on Mahomes, who's like already a Hall of Famer. Like he's been in the league for what four or five years. He's already a guaranteed Hall of Famer. And you could have had that guy, but you just couldn't evaluate the talent right. You took the wrong guy. And well, I mean, so this is Ryan Pace's second chance to get it right. I'm hoping he did get it right. And uh, as a Bears fan, just. Uh, Hope. Hope is all we have and hope is all we ever cling to, but I feel good about it. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited and to see how everything goes. And as we push through the summer and hear more news and get more draft picks throughout this weekend, excited to see where we go. But Don, we got a lot of business to go to and the people who don't care about football are crossing their eyes and hitting the skip <laughs> button. So, but I'm sorry. We like football and wait until the fall when we get into some fantasy, then it's going to be all on. So, you know, right. Send us we're your called, draft picks. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we're called raise the geek. We geek out on sports every now and then as well as comics and movies. So that's right in our wheelhouse as well. Yeah. Yeah. We geek out on it all. We're 
but we're going to move into some business here and make sure you're liking, follow, subscribing, rating, all of that good stuff. Throw the word out there about the Raise the Geek podcast show so we can continue to grow and bring you more great content. So hit us up on our Twitter at Raise the Geek, as well as shoot us any emails over at RaiseTheGeek at gmail.com. Help out the show. Hit us some five-star reviews. Uh, leave, leave some comments under those reviews, and we will definitely read them here on the show. So if you want to have your, your name put in there, make sure you put who you are and where you're writing from so we can give you proper shout-out. And we will definitely do that for anyone who is interested. So uh, looking forward to seeing those things continue to flood on in. But Don, we got a ton to talk about. You ready for some coming attractions? Let's do it. Take a sip of my beer. Get fueled up. (laughs) Not a lot going on. This was a quiet week from a trailer standpoint. There was some, you know, weird trailers. I saw some weird one with Pierce Brosnan doing some action thing. I stopped it halfway through because they were giving away the whole movie. But we did get a trailer for Sweet Tooth, a Jeff Lemire comic book uh, coming on Netflix here in June. And I'm, I was always aware of Sweet Tooth and definitely recognized the art because Jeff Lemire drew that one and he has a very specific art style um, that you either love or hate, but I happen to enjoy it for his stories. But Sweet Tooth is coming to Netflix as an original programming that actually is executive produced by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, it looks like. So it's got some backing behind it. Uh, the basic premise of Sweet Tooth is basically there's this point in time where human animal hybrids start being born and no one knows why. And at that exact same time, there's a virus that comes through and just starts decimating the world. So then people blame the hybrids for this virus and uh, start trying to hunt them down and kill them. So the hybrids have to go into hiding. And then it's about this little boy named Sweet Tooth, who's like half deer, half boy. And he goes on an adventure trying to just find out what's going on and what's going on in the world. And that's about all I know. This was a book that I didn't quite read, but what did you think about this trailer? Is this something we need to talk about on the show? What do, what do you think? You read the book, what's going on there? A virus that decimates the world. That sounds pretty uh, topical for okay. our times right now. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, Sweet Tooth, it, like you said, a show based on a comic series by Jeff Lemire from uh, DC and Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran for like 40 issues, I think, between September 09 and January uh, 2013. Uh, like you, a comic that I was always aware of and never did pick up. I, I was never quite sure what it was. I knew it was a Jeff Lemire thing because you can tell his art, it catches the eye. Like right, He has a very unique style of art. I I feel like Jeff Lemire is known for his writing first and art second, but when he does decide to like combine the two, uh, it it always makes for like a unique comic. I think he's got a very cool, unique style. Um, This trailer, watching it fresh, not knowing much, it it did interest me. It looks uh, like well-made, highly, highly produced. Looks like it's got some money behind it. Netflix money behind it, you know? Uh, I've, I've read that this story is described as um, Mad Max meets Bambi, which that description right there, if that doesn't pique your interest enough just to at least see what, how people came to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what else will. Um, so yeah, man, when, when Sweet Tooth does come out, I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I know we, we probably were going to anyway to talk about it on the podcast, but it does look like something I'd enjoy. Uh, looks like it's got Will Forte in there as a dad, a, a guy you know, and 
a lot of other faces where I felt like I might know who they are, but couldn't really put the names to it. But the, the, um, the effects look cool. The story is cool. I like the narration of the trailer. So yeah, my, my interest was definitely peaked. What about, what about you first impressions there? Yeah. For a Netflix show, I thought it was, uh, it looked the budget. It was high budget value. I mean, everything looked really good. Um, it was an intriguing story. I always fear Netflix trailers because they tend to give away way too much and they're way too long and they kind of really just give you all the goods. Uh, this one left some mystery, which I enjoyed. Um, I'm definitely interested in it. Once again, I'm always a big, how many episodes and how long are the episodes? You know, I, my mm-hmm. only problem with Netflix shows is that binge model. When they just drop all of I like the weekly. I like to be able to think about it. I like to be able to talk about it. I like the moment. Once you drop a binge show, everybody falls off, you know, and it's it's like we all watch it at our own pace. So I might sit and watch it all in one day. It might take you three months. Am I going to remember in three months when you finally finish Sweet Tooth? Am I going to remember anything that happened in that? No, probably not. You know, so it's, it's one of those weird things that I always struggle with Netflix shows because I'm not a I'm not a binger. I like to I like to absorb. Uh, but the overall premise sounds interesting. It's based on Jeff Lemire work. I'm I'm in. I I'm a sucker for his writing. I mean, when I see his name on a book, and Sweet Tooth is just one that uh, slipped past me due to the fact that I'm pretty sure it was already done by the time I really discovered Jeff Lemire or yeah. knew. Because I mean, I have a whole slew of Jeff Lemire books that he wrote, Animal Man and stuff that I was reading him without even knowing who it was. And now looking back, I'm like. Oh yeah, I, Jeff Lemire got on my radar with Royal City, which I think was after Sweet Tooth, and then I yeah. realized I put that name, and mostly it was because of that art style that it really I could tie his name to it, and then I've kind of followed everything that he's done since. Um, so I'm I'm in regardless to at least see what they do, and then it's up to Netflix to put together a show that's worth watching, as opposed to the majority of Netflix shows that aren't. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right about that, and. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about the binge model versus the weekly model. That could be like a whole show of talking because I'm with you. The binge model does turn me off uh, to some extent, more so just because I got used to this Disney Plus Mandalorian kind of kicked it off. And then the two Marvel shows have done the same way. I just like having that um, day when I know the show is out and like, I can plan more accordingly how to watch it like a week between just works more for the way I operate with watching shows. So I'm the same way. I mean, if if we do cover uh sweet tooth for this, for the podcast, we'll just have to figure out a way to watch it together at the same time, you know, but uh, well, yeah. you don't, you're allowed to have surprises. I feel like in the binge model shows, like when Netflix drops a show, I feel like the majority of their shows don't, aren't able to have big moments you're not able to have that holy shit moment because you're dropping it all at one time and because it doesn't have the collective voice of everyone experiencing it at the same time it doesn't turn into anything so you just I don't think they spend the effort to try to have any moments like that and then if they do it gets lost because not everyone's watching it day and date so you might have a that initial like spike in interest for the couple hours after everyone 
the hardcore initially watch it and talk about it but the majority is like i don't know what you're talking about i remember that with boys season two which i've yet to watch and that was even weekly to weekly but i mean i know that there were lots of moments in that that people would talk about but it would just you know especially when they dropped those first like three episodes at one time i don't know what happens in any of those episodes and everyone talked about those moments but they didn't really have their time to really sit and percolate yeah that's definitely true um so we're gonna give it we're definitely gonna give it a fair shot it looks like a fun show to me oh yeah um netflix be damned we're still gonna do do what we can to enjoy sweet tooth yeah and we'll and we're gonna really get a taste for this next week because jupiter's legacy hits netflix all eight episodes dropping next friday and we're gonna figure out what what the hell we're gonna do with that because it got to check out jupiter's legacy mark miller's all excited sending out tweets so I'm very excited to check that out and see if it's going to be more than a CW show like I think it is. Right. Uh, speaking of another streaming service, because uh, the world is filled with them, we have Amazon Prime just released casting news for Paper Girls, which was a book uh, by who, what was the... the? That's a Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn book. Who published that? I thought I had that That's information it, here. but I image, That's image, image book. Yes, yeah, you're right. Yep. Uh, Paper Girls, and then that one follows the story of four girls who are out delivering newspapers on Halloween 1988, and they get stuck in the middle of a time traveler war, where then they have to pick sides, and they're fighting warring factions and trying to save the world, and that sounds pretty freaking cool to me. Paper Girls, for me, is a book that I always saw on the shelf. It was always drawn to the eye, the art. I just haven't had the time to check that out yet. So what is this casting news? They casted a bunch of unknowns to me. I don't know who most of them are um they casted sophia rosinski cameron jones riley la nalette and finna strassa Um, one was from altered carbon which i saw the other three things christmas melody cherish the day and fast lane i don't know what those products are but (laughs) what do you think paper girl i don't know if the casting did anything just from looking at the pictures they look good What, what what you got on paper girls man well i've been excited for um paper girls ever since it was announced that it was going to be adapted into a show because i did read the series it's 30 issues um the thing that drew me mostly to this book uh is all the covers are pretty eye-catching uh with art by cliff chang who's uh most well known for working for dc um he's done a lot of like wonder woman and green arrow so you'll know him from that and uh brian k vaughn i mean i'm a huge fan of his um uh, most known for ex machina and runaways but the, what i know him most from is saga um and and why the last man um two comics who you ask a lot of people they'll put those like pretty high on like all-time lists um I got my own issues with Saga, them being on like a three-year hiatus, but I'll get into that <laughs> another time. Uh, I have I have Why the Last Man sitting upstairs in like six big thick trades that I still have to read because uh, that show is also being adapted into a. Sh- uh, I mean that comic's also being adapted into a show, so I wanted to like read that. It, it was great from what I read. I just kind of fell off. Is Saga anyway, still on a? Is Saga still on a? Saga is still on a hiatus they originally said i know this is getting off track but whatever like they originally said um brian k vaughn and fiona staples needed a break because they'd done 53 issues um straight and that's you know it wears especially on an artist when it's a creator-owned book and you have one artist who's like pumping out these books monthly for 53 issues i mean that's got to be a strain so i understand a hiatus 
but they said originally they kind of made it seem like it would be maybe a year which seems a little long too but it's like okay if you guys need a year to recharge your batteries and uh get the creative juices flowing again that's cool it's been like three years like three or it pushing four years on since the last issue and it's like i've almost forgotten what's i what's going on like i I, i'm gonna have to go back and read probably the last 10 issues to even remember like when a new when they're when they finally announce a new saga's coming out like i don't know what's going on it's been three years since i read this book and it's it's sad because i really like that book and i understand the need for a hiatus but it's like oh my god so long uh but anyway that's me going off on my saga tangent back to paper girls uh yeah this definitely was a uh fun book for me without getting spoilery because i know we all want to watch the show like you said it is for 12 year old uh characters friends who they're paper girls and they kind of do get sucked into this time travel saga like century spanning and um there's a lot of there's a war going on they get sucked into and they eventually you know run into future versions of themselves and um i don't know it's just a fun book it's always been compared to stranger things uh which i'm sure everybody's familiar with like that kind of feel i almost like this book better than the show stranger things like that's how fun it is uh and i can just imagine what they could do with a adaptation of this show if there's like some good money behind it and they kind of stick to the comic and just do it the right way this is going to be I, I can't see how this show is not going to succeed like based in the 80s people love nostalgic stuff um so yeah um, I, I was excited to see the progression with this casting the four leads that's just like the next step and I read that it is going to be filmed in Chicago which is cool like maybe I'll head down to the set one day and see if I can get a peek or something what's going on but uh yeah uh paper girls is high on my ex- uh excitement level here yeah yeah and I'm I'm glad it's on Amazon Prime they seem to be really putting some care behind some of these comic book properties or just existing properties for their shows so i'm excited to see what they do with it once again knowing that they're not going to really do the binge model they like to drop their first three and then slow drip the last back half um so i'm cool with that i like that model giving you at least that first couple episodes to really watch so you're not stuck on a pilot but then starting to drip feed you later so i really enjoy that model and i think that that's a good home for them to be a part of so i'm excited to see what they turn into and hopefully it is their version of stranger things and becomes what it needs to become to continue yeah man amazon studios is uh coming hard now trying to trying to have this their own uh content that's standing up against the other big boys and they're trying to stake their claim in the streaming wars these days and i'm i'm for it i i don't mind a, a new contender coming in like like we both talked about before, Netflix feels like I can get a little stale sometimes. So I like having the alternatives and I got no problem with Amazon Studios at the moment. They're chugging on all cylinders. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. One other quick story we had come out this week is Boom Comics is really kind of exploding as Netflix inks a first look deal for all upcoming projects uh, with Boom Studios. So we've talked about Boom Studios before. I really like them. They do a lot of great licensing work. I know I was first jumping into Boom with the uh, Big Trouble Little China, Escape from New York crossover. Um, I know you've talked about Something's Killing the Children. I've always heard about Mouse Guard and Once in the Future. Um, They have a lot of just really kind of great, original, wonderfully art 
color. I mean, they just, I really, they do all the Power Rangers books right now. I just, I really dig Boom Studios and Netflix wants to have first look about adapting anything from a either cartoon or live action standpoint. So that's just, I mean, what are the odds we're going to get a Something's Killing the Children show? I mean, I'm, that's that's probably inevitable, right? I hope they're high. I would hope they're high because that show, that comic would be perfect for a show. I think people would love it. It's like, like I already talked about, a mix of horror and action and just straight up fun. So uh, seeing this news really got me excited. Um, like you said, Once in Future is another book uh, that I've I've always been aware of, written by Kieran Gillen. He's a, a writer I like, so I'd like to see that project come to life. Uh, like we, we both talked about Grass Kings. Could they do something with Grass Kings and make that into some kind of show, oh, animated yeah. or live action? Uh, who knows, but that, that'd be cool to see something happen with them. Um, did you read Coda? Have we talked about Coda before? I didn't read it. I think I read volume one. Okay. Yeah, it was only like 12 issues, but that was like a super uh, cool series that seems like it would be one of these epic shows, kind of like Game of Thrones style uh See that yeah. one? I, I looked it up real quick just to remind myself. I, I didn't finish that one, but I have all twelve sitting here. Um, that one yeah. I think would be sweet as an animated. That could be. That could work as animated. Do it as like an anime. That would be really cool. It would be kind of like Princess Mononoke. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be something I'd be interested in seeing. And uh, there was some other book I read by Boom that I started when I started thinking about what series could could they send to be uh, adapted. Like Lucy Dreaming was a book I read, yep. written by Max Max Bemis from Say Anything the band, um, and that was a book that was cool. Like they seems did, like if they put some money behind too. it. Got, Sorry. Yeah. Just, yeah. 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 That, that, that was cool. And <laughs> uh, another one I read was The Unsound. It was a miniseries by Cullen Bunn like a horror series and that one I saw has actually already been greenlit to be a Netflix movie so yeah man boom definitely making some moves with Netflix good for them I'm uh I'm a fan of the I'm a publisher as a publisher so I'm glad to see them get some uh love with the streaming world and you know Netflix needs new content to stay competitive with Warner Brothers, HBO, Netflix, or Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. all these, all these other guys, they they need to get their content from somewhere. Uh, clearly comic books are a great source material for these shows. People watch them and love them. So um, I'm excited to see where this partnership leads. I guess I'm going to have to keep my Netflix subscription. Yeah. For now. For now. For now. <laughs> We'll see what they do. They pass on some good ones and send them somewhere else, and we'll have to see. All right, last up for our coming attractions, which leads right into our first topic of the show, is a Nomad Lad, Nomad Land director, Chloe Zhao's, wins big, wins best director at the Oscars last weekend. And she basically is one in a long line of Oscar winners in the MCU. Congratulations to her. That's awesome. I wasn't able to watch Nomad Land yet because I I don't know. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> and uh, but what do you think this means because she is the director of the upcoming Eternals movie. So you know Marvel's going to slap her name on a movie really quick. Don, what are the chances of us seeing an Eternals trailer fast sooner rather than later? Honestly, I thought we might get one 
immediately after she won the Oscar because I felt like Marvel would have loved to boast that, hey, our our movie we got this year, hey guys, look, Oscar winner, Oscar winning director attached to it. So I thought if they did have the footage to like slap one together or put one together, or if they're sitting on one and just waiting to release it, my thought was now would be the time. So I still think we could get one at any time. Uh, maybe they didn't do it because they just did release a Shang-Chi trailer and they don't want to, they kind of want to let that buzz keep going. If there is any still talk about that and didn't want to release another one right away. Uh, but I could see it coming soon. Um, I mean, this is, this is cool for them. Chloe Zhao, she is the second female um, winner of the Academy Award, only the second one after I believe Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker. Wasn't she yeah. the first? All right. So, I mean, this is a big deal. And, and she is also a person of color, like a minority um, Chinese, Chinese descent born in Beijing. Um, I did read that. What I found interesting was she was the one who approached Marvel about directing a movie. Like they didn't come to her. She went to them. So that, that just goes to show that she is like a fan of the MCU and wants to be a part of it. She wanted to do this. Uh, I did see that she was originally attached to, they originally the original idea for her was to do black widow um but she i guess removed herself from consideration for that and like didn't want to do it kind of wanted to do something different uh so her and another person i think came up with the pitch for eternals and it's been it's been quoted that uh kevin feige has said that the Eternals pitch he received from Chloe Zhao was the most impressive MCU pitch he's had. Wow. So, so when you hear something like that, I mean, he technically he could say that about anything, but if that is true, if that's truly the way he feels, it can't do anything but excite you for what Eternals could be. Uh, <laughs> you know, if he's saying it's the most impressive pitch he's ever heard, I, I got to take that to heart and be like, man. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, excited for eternals you know yeah absolutely i'm i'm curious to see where where what it is you know i mean i i'm when my my comic book knowledge comes from cartoons and my comics i like to read off the wall stuff i you know outside of some basic i always have to read a batman book i like uh you and i have talked before about you know always like to read those street level heroes the daredevils i was always a big heroes for hire fan Luke, Luke Cage and, you know, Jessica Jones is why those Netflix shows were very exciting for me, even though I didn't watch half of them because I'm weird. But <laughs> it's a binge model, man. We talked about it earlier. Binge yeah. model kills me. But so I'm excited. I don't know, you know, when you start diving deep into DC and Marvel, especially once you start getting into space, that's usually where I drop off. Uh, I was reading the new X-Men until they went started messing with the brood in space. And I'm just like, I'm not reading this anymore. You know, sorry, Kevin Hickman. I'm, I'm just like, that's once the X-Men go into space, I like when they're, you know, fighting mutants and they're fighting. I don't know. I like on the ground once you go into space. So I'm excited to see what the Eternals turns into. And I really feel that that's the big one that's going to take the MCU to the next phase from their film standpoint. So I'm definitely excited to see what she does and knowing that she's got some directing clout behind her now is more exciting yeah most definitely um the the thought is that she has a style that she's bringing with her to the mcu you know that when you think mcu movies you think um they're in charge and like the director is just doing what the studio wants but 
Sometimes that's true. Yeah, sometimes it's true. You can tell, but then sometimes you also see some of these directors put their own spin on these movies, especially now. And Marvel kind of lets them uh, put their style into it. Like, would Thor Ragnarok have been what it was without Takiki Yt? You know what I mean? Now, how do you think Edgar Wright feels? Because he tried to put his spin on Ant Man, and it was too much. So, was he just trying to do too much? Or yeah. was Marvel not ready to let go of those, those those reins a little bit? I know that was notorious with the other one where they had the uh, Lego director. Oh, no, I'm thinking Disney and Han Solo. Never mind. Sorry. I'm thinking of Solo. No. I'm getting distracted. No, but I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Uh, what's his name? Wright? What's his first name again? I always Edgar. forget. Edgar Wright. Yeah. That was a big news when he left Ant-Man because of creative differences and you do got to wonder how far was he trying to push that movie that they weren't cool enough with to let him do because they do seem like they let these directors now have their spin on it even ryan coogler with with black panther so how far was edgar wright trying to take ant-man where they were just uncomfortable with it because if you've seen edgar wright movies in the past like you know uh sean of the dead and and scott pilgrim versus the world he directed that right yeah yeah, I mean those oh, movies. That I mean, I mean, I do too. But who knows what he wanted to do with Ant Man to the point where they just had to draw the line. I don't know. So well, now, but, I don't. But, think... but the thing is, we don't know. Is was that just because he was the first one trying? Like everyone right. else was just like, "Thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Marvel. You know, give me a job. I'm I'm directing a superhero movie. I'm so excited." And was he the first director to come into the door going, "Bitch, I'm Edgar Wright. I'm just going to do <laughs> right. what I do. You need to listen to me. I did Scott Pilgrim." And you're just right. kind of running like that. So then you don't know if Marvel was like, whoa, 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 you're too cocky. Get out of here. And then, you know, everyone else came in a little bit. You know, it's like, was he just the first one and just got told no? And then they realized, hey, like if he came in now trying to do Ant-Man, would it be would his, would it be yeah. received better? You know, obviously. It, it, might, know. Yeah. it might be different now because um, I think now that we're talking about this, I I think Thor 2, The Dark World, had issues with directors where a director left that wasn't like falling in line the, the Marvel way 100% and they had to replace that director. And then that movie got generally panned for not being great. So who knows what would have happened if they would have let whoever the original director was there like do what they wanted to do. I don't know. Well, I don't think we'll ever have the full story because they don't really delve into it too much. But yeah, we'll see what happens with this. We definitely will, but I'm excited for all of that. But that's going to lead into our first story here before we fall too much off the rails. MCU on Disney Plus wrap-up. Now we're a week out from Falcon and the Winter Soldier ending. We started the show after WandaVision, so we haven't really gotten to jump into that. We're four or five weeks away from Loki now at this point. Sad to think that in less than a month, or just over a month, we're going to be in the middle of June, halfway through 2021 already. Crazy. That much closer to being 40 years old. How crazy is that? (laughs) <laughs> but uh how do you compare these shows man like we had wandavision we had falcon now that you kind of digested falcon what what do you just some just broad 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 strokes here but just what yeah. are some thoughts on falcon now that we're a week out um and then comparing it to wandavision especially because we knew that these were supposed to come in reverse order so how does how does did Falcon, was it hurt coming after WandaVision? Should that one have been first? Like, what do you, what do you think, man? Yeah, two, two shows in. And if, if we are 
comparing the two shows that's what we're doing there are a lot of stark differences um and it's interesting you say how would these shows have fared if they would have come in the right order um i feel like people might have um been more prepared for wandavision if it came after like wandavision just kind of hit differently because nobody was expecting that ambitious of a take on marvel because they've never done that before so them coming out of the gate like that nobody had a chance to put their feet get their feet wet with what we're gonna do on disney plus so you'll read a lot of the detractors of the first two episodes were like what is this like this isn't the marvel that i'm used to this i don't know what's going on this is is this what these shows are going to be and like it was met by some harsh criticism at first you know until episode three stuff started um fitting in but um and then you got falcon and the winter soldier which was much more straightforward much more what we're used to um more familiar just like more of a familiar feel falcon and winter soldier kind of just felt like you're watching a six-hour movie basically um but in the end two totally different shows but i think they both accomplished what they were supposed to um we got new looks for characters like wandavision finally got her um wanda excuse me (laughs) i I called her wandavision wandavision that's gonna be her name you know there's little kids out there that are just like wandavision hey look wandavision wandavision Uh, wanda wanda finally got her traditional scarlet witch suit which she never had in any movies and that was great and you know we we saw white white vision which was cool and uh and sam finally got in the cap suit so they i think both shows accomplished what they needed to and set marvel on a good path going forward um it's going to be interesting to see what loki does i i know we've talked about it before but that seems like another show where we're going bonkers like craziness um so i don't know i feel good about where where the mcu is headed after these two shows uh it's unfortunate we started this podcast after wandavision ended because i would have loved to break down each one of those episodes with you but uh we were a little late on that but who knows maybe we'll go back and do a rewatch someday and talk about it more but maybe, uh maybe before dr strange that'd be cool yeah but um I don't know your, your thoughts on the state of the MCU. I'm, you know, I'm excited. I know we've talked about this in previous as well, but if it's your first time listening, this is going to be new for you. So score, but I think it's definitely in a good place. I think it's interesting because of the fact that now these shows are coming out and you're taking all of the characters that people love from the movies. And now you're putting them in these little shows where now your movies that are coming up are all unknown. Like, we don't know the characters, we don't know the actors, we don't know what's going on in these things. So it's hard to be super pumped outside of Spider-Man, because we know, have an idea of what that looks like, and Doctor Strange, I'm kind of pumped for. But outside of that, you know, like I said, we're looking at Shang-Chi, which I'm personally pumped for, but that's because I'm a martial arts fiend. You know, Eternals, as I said earlier, I have no idea what the Eternals is. Outside of the cast, I have no idea. I can't even, I can't even fathom what that even looks like. All I picture when I hear Eternals is a bunch <laughs> of faces floating around in space, like 2001 style, just like fetuses flying through the stars. Like I, I picture nothing. It's just a blankness in my, in my brain because I, I can't even imagine what that means. So I'm excited for that because I like the unknown, but 
taking all of these characters that we know and love and throwing them on the MCU on Disney Plus has been really cool to see. And it definitely, but it's confusing to me because I don't know then how these movies are going to fare when you're doing these new movies and these new properties. How are people going to respond to those? Is Shang-Chi, is the Eternals going to get the same attention now as you're trying to like shift the spotlight over to new, new superheroes? But Disney Plus, I think, is knocking out of the park. These shows were great. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I loved. I loved that story, and I loved the ability that they were able to tell Sam turning into Captain America, Falcon to Captain America, and they had time to really dig into how big of a decision that was, as opposed to just, hey, we're going to do Captain America 4, and Sam's Captain America, and you get maybe 20 minutes at the beginning of him figuring out how to don the suit. Or you spend half of the movie doing it, and then everyone complains about how Captain America was only in the last 20 minutes. This way, they were able to really tell a story, a grounded story, and really give uh, Sam, and I'm blanking on his, what, what is that actor's name? Anthony Mackie? Anthony Mackie, Jesus. Anthony Mackie, <laughs> I watch all of his bad Netflix movies and I still can't remember his name. I'm like, oh, Anthony Mackie, cool, I'm down for this movie. Like, he sells movies for me and I blank on his name, whatever, I'm, I'll blame the beer. But I'm glad he was able to really get the spotlight, like you said, of a six hour movie, more than a lot of people got, you know, a lot of, more than a lot of characters got. And he got six hours of screen time where the camera was up close and personal on a ground level with him and his family. I think that was awesome. My personal opinion, this one was very, a lot more procedural than right. WandaVision was. It was very, I, there was really not much guessing. You kind of knew where that story was going, where it needed to go from episode one. They didn't really throw any curves at you. They didn't really break the mold making that show. And that's that's coming from, like I said, I still loved the story and what they did. But when you're comparing it to like WandaVision, WandaVision came out. I mean, like I said, those two first two episodes where you were watching a 50 sitcom out because I wasn't a big fan of those either because I'm like is this what the show is and it wasn't obviously until they you know really opened up the looking glass as to what we were looking at I was in because of the MCU I was in to see what they were doing there was the balls on them to pull that off and to do that and turn it into what they did is just like kudos to them all you know bow down <laughs> hail you know them for what they did I think that was awesome I really am glad that WandaVision came first, but at the same time, I think it hurt Falcon in my brain, just because then I was, I was excited for weird. I was excited for something different and we didn't get that. We went backwards, but with yeah. that said, if Falcon went first, WandaVision, those first two episodes would have got skewered that much harder. And I think WandaVision would have been scaled. I think WandaVision would have been judged a lot harsher if it came after Falcon, because Falcon is what people were expecting. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I can, I can understand that. Part of me always knew that WandaVision was going to ramp up a little bit. I did not, I knew that there was no way they could do a entire series like the, like the first two episodes, because we'd seen it already in the trailers. Like you saw vision flying and you saw their powers like, all right, they're going to get to this, but how are they going to get to this? And like, is this taking too long? Is two episodes too long? The third episode, is this their last chance to get there before I'm out? Like, um, Who are you kidding? You weren't going to get out. No, I wasn't going to be out. That I'm... whole thing. 
Yeah, I wasn't going to be out personally. I I was I was in, but I'm I'm speaking as the your uh your mad angry fan who does who's the show isn't exactly 100% how they wanted it to be. I'm speaking as that person. But uh yeah, I mean, Falcon I think did suffer a little bit from WandaVision's um just the theorizing and the the feelings people were going through, like the mystery of WandaVision was captivating to people enough so that I feel like that show was even getting talked about by people who um, aren't even MCU people. Like that was just a show. I bet you people were watching like, man, this is a great show. And every episode is ending with a mystery. And what is this mystery? I got to solve this. I guarantee you there's people out there who've never seen an uh, an MCU movie were watching WandaVision. I couldn't say that about um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That shows for fans who are familiar with the Captain America movies. If you haven't watched Captain America movies, there's no way you're going to understand Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But WandaVision, people could pick that up and be like, this is my show I'm watching. What are you watching? WandaVision. It's a great mystery show. You know what I'm saying? There were lots of, I saw lots of comments and I saw lots of things talking about my wife never watched an MCU thing ever. And she loves WandaVision. And I think that that comes into too, is your protagonist is different. You had a female protagonist leading a superhero show, which isn't something that you see all the time. This came, you know, Black Widow was supposed to come out before that. So you would see that first, but that isn't something that you see as a, as a, female-led superhero TV show that's just right. unheard of at this point in time and where we are. I'm sure more are obviously being come, coming because you know all those executives are like, WandaVision was amazing. We need that. How do you turn this property into WandaVision and then all these other properties are going to get jacked up? Yeah, She-Hulk might be their next chance. She-Hulk's Disney Plus and they're doing... I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about MCU handling their female and right. I'm so ridiculously pumped for She-Hulk. Like, yeah, me I don't too. Know, the idea of a legal comedy with She-Hulk and they have Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. And I love her. So I'm just... I'm all in on that show before. Just hearing the cast and the premise, I'm just like, I'm in on that one. Yeah, and, and Mark Ruffalo is going to hop in there. Like, give me She-Hulk now. I would love if She-Hulk was the next one. Put it in my I really would. In my <laughs> right. I'm ready. So when do you think we see these characters, some of these characters again? Now we know, obviously, we talked about it last week, Cap 4 has been greenlit, so you assume we're going to see, obviously, that's Sam, which I'm so freaking pumped for that movie. Like, just the Captain America movies were, should have never been as good as they were. That first one should have been trash, the idea. I yeah. mean, just the premise and the time in which that first Captain America movie came out should have been trash. And it was, I remember sitting in the theater going, that was a pretty damn good movie. And obviously the Russo brothers took two and three and turned them into like spy movies. And those are just phenomenal movies. Civil War and Winter Soldier are awesome. So Cat 4 coming. Winter Soldier going to be in that one? I mean, we think some of these characters from, I mean, when are we going to see Vanessa again? Is that her name? I have Vanessa Carlton in my head. I know that's not right because that's... That's like some kind of pop musician. That's a pop musician. (laughs) But I have that. Vanessa Carter. Sorry. No, Sharon Carter. Oh my God! You called her. You called her Vanessa last episode too. I told you. I have for whatever reason that character and Vanessa Carlton uh, in my head, and I get very confused. Vanessa Carter. Yeah. When are we going to see Sharon again? Um. Yeah. And I mean, going back to WandaVision, when are we going to see Vision again? He like just flew through the ceiling, White Vision, um, and is gone with no 
no idea where he's going to pop up again. I don't even think Wanda is aware that he's out there now because she said goodbye to um, her version of vision that was like built in her mind, in her world. Like she said goodbye to that vision. She doesn't know that the vision's body now he's, he is back in his body and he's, what is he off doing? We have no idea. Um, You know, there's no new Avengers movie planned. So he's got to pop up in one of these things. Could it be, armor wars with with don Cheadle, or is he gonna you know um who knows who knows i mean scarlet witch like you said we know dr strange um she's gonna be i almost feel like she's in that movie seems like she's being promoted to be in that as much as dr strange is like she's gonna play a big part in that movie which is cool because wanda we all got to know on like you're saying Falcon and Winter Soldier was our chance to get deeper into Sam. WandaVision was our chance to get to know Wanda in a way that we never would have if not for that show. So, yeah, I'm super pumped to see. And, like, what about characters like Zemo? Where is he going to pop up again? Is Agatha Harkness done in the MCU? Um, Could Val, like the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character, could she have popped up to recruit her agatha harkness for whatever she's going on like i don't know it's it's gonna be fun to see i did see something that um i found interesting remember we were talking last week about the stinger at the end of the episode or like the title card changed from saying the falcon and the winter soldier to captain america and the winter soldier we're like oh yeah that's cool i read something today that said marvel's original plan was for that title card to read captain america and the white wolf instead of winter soldier because it makes sense because bucky you would feel is trying to give up he's he's tried to give up the winter soldier persona this whole time he's like trying to leave that life behind him and that name is like attached to his assassin side like the side that was always controlled like the hydra agent side so why would he want to be known as winter soldier anymore is he now just like white wolf in mcu and should they have used that Uh, i don't i don't i'm not sure why they changed at the last minute but yeah i found that pretty interesting do you think we see do you think bucky the next time we see him is black panther 2 do you think he's gonna have a role in that movie to some way or are they gonna you know obviously he can't be main but i mean he is involved in wakandan yeah it's possible or like did him and the wakandans leave off on too bad of note you know are they still mad with upset with him for for releasing zemo in the first place and i mean he did say something to her when asked um the wakandan dora milaje uh warrior when she asked him why he released zemo and he was like well he's a means to an end um meaning i'm using him but still they're upset because everything they did for him uh he went and did that against them so i don't know i don't know what his standing is with the wakandan so him being in black panther 2 is a possibility i really don't know where bucky's gonna pop up next it doesn't seem like there's not an obvious choice for um where he would wind up but it'll be cool to see so i don't know I'm I'm in I'm in for the ride still, so let's see what happens here. I'm I'm all pumped. I'm all tingly, so unless I'm having a heart attack right now, I'm excited. 
<laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm ready for just the idea of these shows coming. We still got so many more coming this year. And then we throw Shang-Chi and Eternals. MCU, I'm just, just knocking out of the park and I'm enjoying all of it. And then, like I said, we throw some boom comics on Netflix. Living the dream, man. It's a great time to be alive. What a time. To be alive, man. This is something we were future's bright. The future's bright. Never, we would have never pictured this. No, there's there's like so much content going on for like fans of this stuff right now that it's insane. Like the most we had as kids was like cartoons made about our favorite shows, like X Men cartoon, Spider Man. Man, I still remember that Saturday morning X Men cartoon. (laughs) This is the only cartoon in the world that I got told by my father to shut up because he was watching it <laughs> like my family got into the x-men cartoon like my yeah. mom still has tapes she has vhs tapes of the phoenix saga if i ask my mother right now hey can you find the vhs tape of the phoenix saga? i bet you she could do it she doesn't even have a damn player to watch <laughs> the stupid thing but i bet yeah. you she can find the tape that says the phoenix saga the x-men because she we taped it and but I mean Saturday morning at like ten thirty when Fox cartoons turned on to X Men, my family we sat that down and watched that as a family. And if I made too much noise because I was eight years old, going ah, hyped up, hopped up on pancake syrup or whatever, I got told to shut up. Like hey, watching this because it was that good of a cartoon. But once again, that is all we had. Your dad was like, "You will shut up when Gambit's talking. I can't hear him." <laughs> Got to hear Gambit more to me. <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. That yeah. all right, man. I can't I can't take it anymore. The fact that we've gone this long without talking about it because we didn't talk about it last night while we were war zoning. Invincible season finale, episode eight. We watched it. It was here. It was awesome. And Invincible to me was uh, we're gonna talk about it here in a second, but we're here. Let's talk about it. John, what were your initial thoughts about the Invincible finale? And we just had so many. We got answers to questions. We got final battles. We got season one impressions. All of that coming up. John, what do you think about the finale of Invincible? Invincible season finale, episode eight, where I really come from. Chris, my man, this um, episode, this finale gave me everything I wanted from this and more. Uh, Traditionally, it seems like you can be let down pretty easily by a season finale, by it not delivering what you expect and what you want. But Invincible finale did not fail me in that way. Um, It had everything, man. It had questions answered that were lingering the entire season. Uh, It had the brutal action that we've gotten used to throughout this entire show uh it got more emotional than has been in the show like these these voice actors man showed some range in this episode that they haven't shown yet uh and that you don't really expect to get out of an animated show but there's a lot of dialogue in there and and just straight up acting that really could be compared to any any show that someone says is great this is right up there with that um i i the the final collision of this show and it's always been there where mark wants to live in like a a good world where he's like what we would think of as like a good superhero that you think of somebody who's like marvel or dc like he's spider-man he's he's uh he's he's 
somebody who he just wants to do things the right way and have everything clean but then the reality of how brutal this world that invincible is based in can actually be uh and it, it finally just combining into that like them colliding into each other in this way uh the world the invincible world isn't isn't that clean where he can just be like a friendly superhero saving cats out of trees and stopping bank robbers robbers like this world is crazy um this show this this episode was just insane from start to start to finish and i i loved it i love this whole series we'll get into it but before we do man your thoughts on the finale yeah i mean those are the exact words i loved it man this show turned into must see tv for me um it's really a shame that it, and once again, I said this last week, but it's a shame that it was up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I really feel that if it was given its own spotlight, I think it could have shown. I understand why pairing it to air at the same time was probably a smart idea to get everyone like superhero-y up. My, for me personally, this show took the air out of Falcon and the Winter Soldier's balloon for me. I was more excited every week to watch Invincible. I was more pumped up for the next episode than I ever was for Falcon. They had their one moment with Captain America when he killed the dude. And outside of that, it just paled in comparison to what Invincible gave us on a week-to-week basis. Like, it just, it really, to me, this is what I remember from this, like, period of time in my life of watching TV. Like, I just don't, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was fine, and I loved that as well. This just dwarfed it to me. It just, every week was just phenomenal. And when they would throw those moments of violence, when they threw those moments of just things, it was just so freaking good. And just everything about this show, from the voice acting to the animation to the brutality to the story, it just, this season was amazing to me. And I absolutely loved it. And I'm sitting here just going, I want more now, you know, and (laughs) it just was such a good finale. And it gave you, like you said, everything that you wanted from a finale and everything that you want from a first season of introducing you to a world. Once again, this is a series that neither one of us read before. Um, It hit all of the emotional beats to keep you hooked up. Robert Kirkman did an interview saying that they showed that finale when they screened it for different executives and different people from Amazon and just other viewing parties. He said people were in tears watching this because it struck them. The finale? The finale, yeah. And all these people, like grown adults, were watching this thing in tears because it was that emotionally hitting. And that's just awesome. And I really... You know, we've talked about it before about animation not being everybody's thing and people's, it's just a cartoon. But man, they can, you know, you throw some of the right voice acting and the right animation and you can hit all of those beats. And it's a shame that people who weren't willing to give this show a shot just because it's a cartoon. It's just, it's just a shame that people missed out on this because this season was phenomenal. This was great. And I enjoyed this more than, as, as we just spent the past 20 minutes gushing on the MCU, this show to me, was better than anything that they put together. I was more pumped week to week watching Invincible than I was anything so far on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, man, this show was a big win, and I did not, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Like, like we've gone over. I, I knew of Invincible. I just kind of thought it was another superhero story, uh, and it is a superhero story. But like the way they've constructed it and the way they are telling this story and all the the, it's like 
it's familiar in feeling with things you've read before, but it's like super, some super original ideas and just the way they tell the story and the way they go through it and like the emotion and the, the action and, and everything is just like, it pulled me in. I'm with you week after week. I was watching invincible when it started releasing Thursday nights because I just like, couldn't wait. It's like, that was the first thing I'm thinking about. Um, as far as it came to watching before Falcon winter soldier, I'm the same way. So yeah, man, totally into it. We can tell, we can get into it now if you want. Um, and spoilers because they're yeah. coming, they're coming hard and fast. So if you haven't watched this, I urge you, please, please go watch this episode. If you have any interest, watch this show. If you have anything like this was just awesome. And uh, hopefully we can do it justice as we talk about it here, but definitely pause us, stop us, move on like skip to the next time code timestamp uh definitely make sure you watch this before because we finally i'm gonna give you three seconds three two one and one we finally have our answer to the question why omni-man why we go back to the first episode where they ended where they hooked everybody i i'm sorry if you watched that first episode and as long as you made it to that mid-credit scene when omni-man shows up out of nowhere and just murders the guardians of the globe in the most brutal fashion ever i was half asleep on the couch and i perked up and literally sat up going what What?" if, if you if you weren't hooked on this show at that point then you probably didn't finish it i don't know how you couldn't be hooked on this show after that and so we spent this whole season wondering why, you know, we had his wife, Debbie, she was like starting to figure out the clues. And we had Cecil for the, the leader of the Guardians of the Globe or the you know government. We had him trying to figure out why Omni-Man did this. Like, we know Omni-Man killed all these people, but we want to know why. Was he being brainwashed? Was he being this? I threw out some guesses last week, which one of them ended up being right. Um, but yeah. we found out why. Were you going to say something? No, yeah, kudos to you, man. You actually did call, you called, you called it. I know we threw out a few different scenarios. So like thinking says one of them had to be right. You'd think, but you know, you did, you did get it. You did get it. But it was turned out. I'm impressed. Yeah. I have that problem where sometimes I do that and I ruin shows for people. So, you know, full, full (laughs) disclosure for anybody listening to me talk, chances are I'm going to ruin something at some point, just out of me random, randomly babbling. But we found out Omni-Man has basically was really there to last chance to get out, last chance to get out. If you haven't watched, he was really there to conquer our planet and to fend off the week, murder of the week, basically and find the strong and turn their plan, turn our planet, turn earth into a, I have fulcrum in my head, but I know that's not right. Was the name of their planet. The, weren't they the Viltrumites? Viltrumites. That's the name? Yep. That's that's right. Viltrumites. Okay. And uh, basically just find the strength for the Viltrumites. And they were that empire, the Viltrumite empire is going to, was going to just, absorb earth and we were going to be part of their empire and uh it seems like omni man's whole goal was to basically breed create a new vultramite and they were going to take over the planet so once mark found his powers in the first episode he omni man that basically just said all right here we go and uh this and it's kick-started the whole thing to starting our takeover from earth and that's just awesome how that reveal hit you? Yeah, the, the yeah the first uh, the first 
I don't know how long it lasted. 20 minutes of this show was dedicated all to um, <clears throat> Nolan basically revealing to Mark what the truth of his entire life has been. Something you got to, what's Mark, 17 years old? So for 17 years, he hasn't known the truth of who he really is and uh, who his dad is. His dad revealing to him that he is there to conquer the world. Mark doesn't really know how to take it. Um, he doesn't want to believe it. You know, you see t uh, tears. He he doesn't want to believe that he was born to uh, conquer humans and, and like dominate humanity because he's been raised as a human his whole life. That's all he knows. So the interaction there between Mark and Nolan was, you know, pretty hard hitting and emotional. Um, Mark thinks his dad is lying. He's still being controlled. Uh, he doesn't want to believe the truth and Nolan just like calmly and, you know, kudos to, to JK Simmons. He did a fantastic job. And so did, um, why am I blanking on, uh, invincible's name? Steven Ewan. Yeah. They both did a fantastic job with each other, uh, in this scene, but just like the calmness that Omni-Man had while he's telling him like, no, this is the truth. This is who you are. Like, it it just hit me, man. I, I was honestly sitting there for this whole beginning of the show with like my hand up to my temple, like sitting there, like hand on the chin, like not knowing what's going on. Um, yeah. And like you said, it was something we suspected him being a world conquer, him coming to conquer the earth. And, and, uh, that's why he has no problems killing because in his past on his world, that's just what they do. So he just kind of tore through the guardians of the globe like they were nothing. And he's ready to do that to half of humanity, he says, those who aren't ready to uh, commit to the to his planet's way. And and um, I don't know, man, it just hit me hard. I had like a sinking feeling the whole time. It's like dread watching this. Uh, I don't know. It was it was super hard hitting that, that beginning of that episode. And that's when the fighting starts. That's when yeah. the, the fighting begins. Yeah. And, and J.K. Simmons obviously is a beast. Like, I mean that dude is just phenomenal he he played jim gordon in the snyderverse batman he's been in a million things you obviously know him if you've seen him if you look him up right now you'll go oh that guy he won an oscar if you haven't seen the movie whiplash watch that movie that movie is just art it just that movie's amazing um watching jk simmons just be the worst have you ever seen that movie no and I've always meant to, especially because I'm like a drummer by, you know, I've been a drummer my whole life. I don't know how I haven't seen this movie. That movie is amazing. And everyone like, literally shouldn't that. It's yeah, great. It, yeah. it easily becomes, you watch that movie. And especially like I said, coming from your background, it easily just makes your top 10 of just, it's just, it's a phenomenal movie. Like you watch it and it's one of those yeah, movies. I got it. It's one of those movies that when it's done, you can't stop thinking about it. And it's forever <laughs> just in your brain. And that yeah, one, it was. I, I definitely got to watch that one. Yeah, there's a reason J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for that movie because he was a beast. And this, he's no different in this one. But yes, we hit the battle, father versus son. It was extremely heartbreaking in the beginning when uh, Mark is just beating up his dad going, tell me how to free you, dad. And he just feels like his his dad is being controlled and he just wants to free him and save his father. And his dad's just sitting there just taking punches going, no, Mark, this is just me. And he's just like deadpanning it. I was just like, Oh my God. This yeah, is brutal, crazy. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That and, was they nuts. 
they beat the piss out of each other and yeah. and the whole time it's just mark trying to save his dad and trying to bring the light back to his dad that he always felt should be there and it's just omni man just saying this is just how it is we live for thousands of years this is a blip your mother was a pet to me like i mean he was just saying the most just deadpan heart just oh it was brutal as you're just watching the brutality of the violence of him just trying to beat the truth into his son it was crazy yeah and i know i think in the last episode we mentioned some theories on the possibility of the the invincible versus omni-man fight and they're like we were like uh omni-man he might be worried that mark is the only one who can give him a fight clearly mark can't give him a fight either because he was taking everything mark had and just kind of like laughing it off like saying like taking a punch looking at him and saying are you serious like that's it and then just like pummeling him and and mark is supposed to be a super powered guy which i guess he is but man he is just good at taking an ass whooping like he he does he didn't like going farther we know of course he didn't die in this fight but he easily could have and man um yeah so as far as us thinking he him and omni-man were gonna have like a fair equal fight that was not the case omni-man is clearly the most powerful being on the planet more powerful than mark um because he just whipped his ass for like 10 straight minutes man (laughs) When they were in the sky and Mark threw that punch and Omni-Man no-sold that shit. Like, like Mark just punched him and Omni-Man just stood there. Like, he didn't even flinch. He just took this punch and he goes, really? And then he goes, all right, we really going to do this? And he punched Mark and then he just started ping-ponging him. Like, when he punched him and Mark went flying through the sky and he flew faster got to the other side, punched him again, and he was just pink. He was playing tennis with his son (laughs) with punching him through the sky. That was amazing in the most brutal and sad way possible as he was just pummeling this poor kid who had no idea what was going on. It was so good, man. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then like you had all of that and, and then we eventually got to, I think the fight got taken to Chicago, they said. Yeah. And that's when like, Mark Omni Man gave Mark like a, a punch that sent him flying into Chicago, like through a building, and he skidded across the street for what felt like you know miles. And all all the while, Mark's body's like leaving this trail of just like terror behind him, knocking through buildings and knocking through cars. And that's that just goes back to this world that this comic is set in. Because if that something like that were to happen in a Superman comic or an avengers movie or something all that destruction would be there but you wouldn't see the aftermath this show goes to show goes on to show you like there's dead bodies in like the wake of this like people are there mark's pulling up bloody limbs of people he tried to save and they just like are the brutalizing people and i mean we haven't talked about it yet but the train scene that comes up after that just the like the brutality of that that's where this show also hits you and just makes like i said oh my god probably like five times during this just because the the visuals are just so um striking you know something we don't normally get in a superhero adaptation or comic and and just made it all the more cool to watch man so yeah this the fight the fight between omni-man and invincible was everything i wanted it to be sans mark seeming like he could do much of anything but just like the whole thing i loved it when they started it off too because then cecil sent in those 
those F-16 or those jets oh, to try yeah. to like distract them. And Omni-Man decided, you know what, screw these guys. And he just decided he was going to fly through the jets and destroy them. And Invincible goes on this superhero crusade to try to save the pilot. And then he saved the pilot and his dad lands next to him. And, he, and, and Mark is like, dude, you could have killed this guy. And, and Omni-Man is just like, so what? And he grabs the dude by the head and just explodes his head all over his son. And then you realize, oh shit, Omni Man really doesn't—he doesn't care. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. Ca- he doesn't he, care anymore. Yeah, he's trying to prove to his son like these people don't matter. As he's just squeezing people's heads like an orange, and they're just exploding all over his kid. I was like, what is happening? And then obviously, train scene happens. Talk about that, man. <laughs> Yeah, that was that my out of uh entire episode of brutal scenes, that probably was the brutalist. Like how Robert Kirkman came up with that, because I he wrote the whole comic. He also wrote this episode and the premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh how he came up with that is insane. Like what kind of mind thinks? Let me take these two super powered, like uh impenetrable people and have one of them hold the other one as a basically battering ram for a train going 100 miles an hour so then as as he's holding him all the humans on it that touch mark because he's like being held still are just going to explode and guts everywhere and blood and it was like in that was an insane scene i mean i didn't i couldn't have imagined something like that happening and and i don't know it was just it was super cool it, i can't even find the words for it <laughs> 100%. It was just, I, I saw it coming <laughs> a split second before they did it, and I was like, oh no. And then immediately I was like, well, this is invincible. And if I've learned anything over the course of these eight episodes, is they're totally about to do what I think they're going to do. And they did it, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah. It was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Mark having, Mark having to watch the whole thing as it's happening, just like insane. And then, like, that fin- that that was finally the point where if you weren't there already, you were like, man, Omni-Man just does not give up F about anybody on Earth or anything. Like, he's he's straight up evil, man. Like, it, insane. Totally insane. See, but then when we hit the end of the battle and Omni-Man is pummeling Invincible and throwing him into the mountain and having all these things, and then he's just... You know, he's like, come on, Mark, you get the idea now. And Mark's just like, no, you know, I don't. And he says, all right, well, what's another 17 years for me? I'll make another one. And he starts pummeling his kid. And you're just like, this is going to be, you know, I mean, he was punching him with the plan of just, I'm going to kill you right now. Sorry, sorry. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to a flashback of Debbie explaining to Owen. Nolan. Nolan. Jeez, I'm terrible with names. Yeah. Um, explaining but she's explaining him, like, they do this emotion. Flash- yeah, they f- do this yeah. flashback of Mark playing Little League Baseball and Owen sitting there going, or Nolan sitting there going, what is going on? Yeah, I told you I'm terrible with names. I forget. <laughs> I get names in my head and that's just the only one. They just stick. They just stick. But Nolan <laughs> is sitting there like, this is a waste of my time. Why am I here? Debbie explaining, this is important and this is how we remember we're human and this is how we remember what life is for when we see our kids doing these things. And Mark cracks a home run and all of a sudden Nolan is just super just into it and you could see this moment of like humanity breaking forward with him and it stops him from basically killing his son. And, you know, so then, and then he flies away and you realize there was something still in him 
you know, he wasn't able to kill Mark completely. And it really just kind of opens the door for what's to come, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's that scene, I kind of felt like that was going to come. I mean, I knew in, in your logical mind, you know, they're not going to kill Mark. This is his show. And like he had a comic series that lasted 140 issues, so he's not going to die. But I expected, I didn't expect for um, Omni-Man to stop. I, I thought maybe Mark might get the power to like fight back and maybe knock him but that wasn't the case. I mean, Omni-Man, I guess that was a good precursor to, he, he does still love his son. It seems like, and I'm one thing I'm glad about is that they didn't make him like break down and be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like pick his son up and fly him somewhere. I'm glad they still kept that like strong. He's still, uh, um, you know, he's still going to be the conqueror, but now he's got a conflict with his son, but he's, he didn't just like break down and be like, Oh my God, what have I done? I'm glad they didn't go that route. They had him fly away. He didn't tear up until the end. You might've saw like, that was a cool scene. Like you saw the tear floating there. So maybe he does truly uh, feel bad for now what he's done and us not reading the comics. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know um, if Omni-Man is going to be back next. I'm, I'm sure he'll be back, but we don't know if he'll be back in season two or beyond that. Uh, we'll see what happens, but uh yeah that that whole scene just kind of kicked off the whole episode and the rest of the episode i don't know it was good it it felt a little less high stakes because we got all our big answers towards the beginning but um yeah that just kind of led to more or less a, a cool down uh uh it was more of an aftermath you know what i'm saying we had mark healing in the hospital after his beating um uh, Debbie kind of realizing that her life has been a lie this whole time and her life is shattered every time we see her. I feel super bad for her. Uh, some of the side stuff, we did get more of the new Guardians of the Globe kind of coming together now, uh, coming even more together than they were before. So I, I'm interested to see what we do with these characters in the future. Uh, my one question I have is how important do you think the tailor is? Cause we seem like we keep getting scenes with him and I don't fully understand like his importance. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like he had a lot of scenes in this finale where they'd show him like drinking and Debbie goes, goes to him to like talk and like she's sharing drinks with him. But to me, and I mean, he, he's voiced by Mark Hamill. So that just, you put it, you put it together. Like he's got to be some kind of more important than what they've shown so far, but I don't understand it. Like, isn't he just the guy making the costumes? I don't understand the importance of the tailor. Um, well, we don't know why he's making the costumes. Like, how did they find him? How did they? Right. Like, we don't know why he's the tailor. You know, I mean, he's making all of these superheroes. So did Cecil recruit him? why is he there does he have yeah what's his past why why is he in that role i think would be the main question to really ask and obviously we don't have that answer yet but yeah now that you're saying i didn't i never really gave it a second thought i just figured he was a human sympathizer like that debbie could lean on yeah that that might be his point of the show and like also nolan didn't kill him when he had the chance to and we've seen nolan doesn't give you know a damn about human life but he did spare that guy so i don't know we'll he, well, we'll he see cares, what it holds he cares about the people he cares about like he doesn't give a shit about people who don't matter 
which is a terrible thing to right. say as I say it out loud, but like he doesn't care about anything, anybody outside of his bubble. Right. Because he clearly, I mean, you can see it even on his face that he cares about Debbie. And, you know, it's like he still cares about his son. He still cares about Debbie. He clearly cares about the tailor because he obviously knew that the tailor told Debbie that basically Omni-Man's a murderer and right. he didn't kill him. So he cares about right. the people he cares about. But yeah, that and that's just a confusing thing for him. Right. That he's obviously struggling with. But he flied, flew away and... Cecil said later in the episode he went on a trajectory like he knew where he was going and it's far away. So we're assuming he went back to to Voltrum and he's yeah. going to go get reinforcements or what? I don't know. God, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's either that or he's going to go there and and come back to Earth like a changed man. Maybe he has a different way of thinking. Like, I don't know. All I know is that him and Mark are going to meet again and i like i can't imagine what that interaction is going to be like at this point um but i am interested to see what's going to happen in the future with that uh yeah the show's captivating man captivating. i love it and what's even better is amazon sent out a, a notice this week that it, they basically sent out a tweet that said twitter is asking for the give us a renewal of season two and they said well how about this and they renewed it for two and three so right now we are getting two more seasons of invincible best news of the week best tweet i saw best everything like i said i loved this show and the idea of getting two more seasons is just amazing yeah hopefully they go beyond even that but i'll take two and three for right now like just getting a announcement for two would have been great but knowing that there's even a third one behind that is even better so i mean this show has to have had some kind of you know success for them financially and i know critically it has like i haven't seen anybody saying really anything negative about the show unless it's somebody saying there's too much brutality and too much violence but that always happens uh but i'm glad that the show's found some success and i i like you i wish that more people were aware of it and like would watch it because I think this is a show that beyond all the brutality and all the, the everything, it's just like a quality show at its core. And I wish people would give it a chance, even though it's animated, whatever, like look beyond that and just look to the core of the show. And I think this is a show a lot of people would really, really love. Yeah. It's, it's God, it's so good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It was so great. So now we've talked a lot about our season one impressions. And I think that the consensus is that we both loved this show. This was, this was a great show. I don't even think we need to dig any deeper into our impressions right. of season one, because if you're, if you didn't watch it, if you listen to us talk about it this long, still go watch it. it. It's great to watch and get pumped up for season two and it's ready to go. But my main question as we end this segment is, are you, how tempted are you to read the books now? Ooh, very tempted because <laughs> uh, we've made it known that we did not read the comics before watching this show but the urge is definitely there now i i was at my comic store today and i sent you a picture <laughs> of all the invincible comics they had sitting there and uh man part of me wanted to grab that first volume and I don't know if I would go volume to volume, like short volumes, but they also have like the compendiums. I think oh, one, yeah, two, and yeah. 
yeah, one, two, and three that collect them all. And I picked up the first one that they had sitting there. It's like issue zero through 44 or something like that. It was like 65 bucks. And I was like, should I just do this right now? <laughs> like, is should I just why, walk is out that here? why number one's not in the picture here? <laughs> yeah, they had it up on like the, um, their featured shelf at the front of the store two two copies of it huge huge like super thick like encyclopedia sized book for 65 bucks and i seriously held it in my hand for like a minute thinking should i buy this because i mean i am invested in the story now but part of me the other part of me is like do i want to see this show play out without knowing like without knowing what's coming it's probably the same um dilemma that game of thrones fans you know who got turned on by the show like should i read the books or is that going to spoil the show for me do i just want to watch do i want to take this in now as a comic or as a show that's like the the question i have to answer um because if i start the comics i'm just going to read through them and i'll get to the end and like know the whole story or do i just want to take this season by season on amazon the way i've enjoyed it now and enjoy it that way so until i get that answer i'm going to be in kind of a limbo here <laughs> i don't know how you feel about it but my my plan right now is season to season i think i'm in for the show and i'd be curious to see how it pans out from a show standpoint because i really am enjoying that and i don't want to ruin that by reading the show and then it it does change things now, to say that, to make this challenge even harder, is I did look it up because I am tempted. And the first three volumes of the trades are available if you're an Amazon Prime member. So you can rent them. You can only do like one a month, but you can get technically the first three volumes for free if you're an Amazon Prime member. And then the next like 10 volumes are all part of the Kindle Unlimited, which is a monthly subscription. And then they all move to like comics unlimited which is just another kind of comic book kindle subscription so technically it looks like you can read the majority of this series at this point which i'm sure amazon did on purpose through their various subscription services so it is out there where you don't need to drop 65 bucks granted i like my comics in paper form i'm old school that way i i do trades digitally when i can catch a good deal but i usually still try to get paper if possible um, so it's tempting, but as of right now, if I can hold out and wait for season two, I think I would really rather watch the show, but it's, I can't guarantee that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I've also seen people saying that who've read all the comics that the show is doing some, taking some liberties and doing, they're clearly doing things at a different pace. Like I think the reveal from season from episode one where omni-man kills guardians of the globe i read somewhere that, that like without even trying to read it, i just happened to see it that like that doesn't happen until issue seven or eight of the comic series so there is a totally different pacing going on so it would technically be a different experience you'd you'd get it in a different way but i don't know i'm i'm i'm, I'm feeling the way i started it i want i feel like i want to start the way i finish the way i started and and take it in as a show but who knows i might i might give in and go the way you just said with the digital amazon deals they got or i might be walking out of the comic store with that compendium one day i can't guarantee i won't uh 65 bucks is 65 bucks but hey whatever once it's gone i don't think about it 
check your local right. library. You might be able to get it there. I've done a lot of graphic novels from the library. Uh, last thing right. up with our Invincible talk is that it was coming out this week, and I know you mentioned yesterday when we were talking um, that the Savage Dragon creator, Eric Larson, man, yep. I pulled that name out of my ass and it was right <laughs> this time. Eric Larson, the Savage Dragon creator, basically said, hey, I'm down if Savage Dragon wants to show up in seasons two or three of Invincible. And then it tied back into a story that you saw, which basically said showed a comic cover when the Guardians of the Globe were murdered. And at the funeral, Savage Dragon was there, which is showing that Invincible is supposed to be part of the Image universe. And all of the characters within Image technically exist in, in the Invincible world, which then mean... You know, Savage Dragon, which I have is a character I haven't thought about in 20 years, might pop up Invincible season two and three. How does that make you feel? Is that something you want to see? Do you want to see a multiverse or a giant connected universe come into future seasons of Invincible, or do you just want to keep it smaller? I, I think I'd be cool with either way they went, but I once I saw that the Savage Dragon was featured on the cover of one of the early Invincible episodes or early Invincible issues where he was at the Guardians of the Globe funeral. I was like, oh man, that's a cool Easter egg. They're just trying to be funny. But Eric Larson saying he would be cool if Savage Dragon was in the show is definitely like intriguing to me. It's fun because Savage Dragon to me is like my introduction to the image, um, image comics. It was Eric Larson, one of the founders of image. That was his book. And I remember having issues of Savage Dragon, which I probably shouldn't have because at a young age, those were like kind of graphic. Uh, <laughs> like it kind of fits in with this invincible world because he was punching people's heads off and blood everywhere. And I, I had an issue where every bone in his body was broken and like his fingers were all over the place. And I was like 12 years old, like, should I be reading this? <laughs> but, like, he would, he would, <laughs> he would, he would totally fit into this world because he does fit in. So if they wanted to do a Savage Dragon cameo, that'd be cool and it's got eric larson's blessing uh so yeah man make it happen amazon make it happen kirkman we want it put him in there i like it man i like it that's gonna wrap up our invincible season one talk i'm sure it is not gonna be the last time we talk about invincible because if we start reading the comics then we're gonna start talking about it but if not we will definitely be back for season two i'm all in for this one and hopefully it gets a bigger spotlight than season one i feel should have gotten Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to finish up this show with what we are geeking out on. We geeked out on nothing last week. We're geeking out on stuff this week. Once again, um, I'm going to make sure to drop the things that we are geeking out on in the description below. So definitely make sure if anything that we talk about here in the next segment sounds good to you, you check out those links. So it's a nice, easy way for you to be able to geek out on what we're geeking out on. But Don, this week, what you geeking out on, man? My geeking outs for this week are... Um kind of piggybacking off one of chris's from a previous episode uh i believe you did talk about avengers the video game did you not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay uh this is a game we'd always uh, you said it but we always had in our minds as a game we would someday play the price has finally dropped to a level that is acceptable to me <laughs> <So> twenty dollars <laughs> twenty dollars 
So I broke down and bought the Avengers PlayStation 5 version. Uh, and I've been playing it. And this is a game that I've been actually enjoying. I know you said the same thing. You've been enjoying it. Uh, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but just being a comic book fan, uh, loving all the characters that are featured in this, I, um, short of this game being like unplayable, I always assumed that once I started, I was going to enjoy myself. So I have been um, playing as the different characters. I haven't advanced I, as far as you yet, so we're not to the point where we've been able to play together. Uh, but playing as the Hulk is super cool. It kind of made me wish there was a Hulk game that would have came out before because playing as the Hulk is great. Smashing stuff is super fun. Um, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel is heavily featured in this game. Her dialogue annoys me here and there, and she's kind of like just, uh, just uh, like I said, annoying at times. But her power set is cool, like punching the long punches and the stretching, like uh, like Reed Richards kind of style fighting is cool. I've, I've been having fun with it, man, and it's it's um set up like an RPG, um, so you can mess with all the armors and the attachments and. I'm not bored with it yet. I keep going back to it. So that's saying something good. So hopefully I get to the point where you and I can play together pretty soon and get some multiplayer Avengers action going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you I'm think about, about that? Playing, playing with your buddy here. You ready yeah. to play with your buddy? <laughs> got to get those live service games. You got to at least have one live service game at all times that you fall into. Some people fall into destiny We've been playing Warzone uh, quite a bit, and I don't see that one going away anytime soon. But definitely always want to have something that's kind of going. I agree with you with Avengers with a lot of that stuff. I'm about 80% through the story. I'm trying to push through it because later in the story, you start opening up to where you can do some of those missions with multiplayer. So I'm trying to get through the story, and then I can come back, and then I can just join your party, and we can push through the back half is my goal i want to try to finish it and then i can i can go through because once you hit those multiplayer like missions it's really annoying to not have real people to play with because i'm playing with three computer people and i'm just like this is annoying because i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing yeah we gotta join we gotta join up as soon as possible yeah that that, i think that's definitely obviously what where the hook is for this game but i agree with you It's, it's a good time what else you got man uh, as far as the comic side, um, this week I read Beta Ray Bill from Marvel. Those familiar with Beta Ray Bill, he is a uh, supporting character for Thor. Um, if you've ever seen him before, he has a Thor outfit and looks just like Thor, except he's like a horse cyborg. He's got like a horse. <laughs> he's got a horse face and and the big teeth of a horse, and he's like a half cyborg, half whatever. But he's a fan favorite character uh, for those who don't know. And uh, he's finally gotten his own series. I believe this is just a limited series. It might be only be five issues, but uh, more importantly, it's uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. So he's writing and drawing, taking up both duties. Uh, like we talked about before with Jeff Lemire does that. And this guy's doing that in this series, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, his art for those who aren't familiar with it is just crazy. He does huge, um, fight scenes and huge explosive dynamic, uh, art. 
most well known for um, what I know him most for anyway is like Murder Falcon, which I believe was an image book that I never haven't read yet, but it's always been like one I want to pick up. And I've actually seen his table. He's been at C2E2 a few of the years I've gone and he's had some cool, some cool looking art that I've always looked at and like hope that one day I could have a piece from him because he's just been super cool. So when I saw he was doing this book, I wanted to pick it up. Uh, yeah, Beta Ray Bill. It's got, like I said, epic art style, explosive action. The lettering he does in this book is super cool. Like I can't describe it until you read, until you look at it, but just like the lettering itself is like, it stands apart from a Marvel book. Like Marvel every now and then will do these, um, series that just set sets themselves apart from like their normal books like it's not just a captain america it's not just an iron man every now and then marvel will bust out like a vision or um or matt fractions hawkeye or charles sewell's she hulk and i feel like this is another book that's in it's being it's coming out for marvel but it's not like your standard standard cookie cutter marvel book um he's got some epic double pages in there uh, the first issue, uh, those familiar with Fing Fang Foom, he's a giant dragon that Marvel uses a lot. And there's a like crazy double page in there, like that'll just make you look at it for a long time. And then the second issue, he does another double page uh, where he's on the spaceship and you can see through the sp- It's hard to describe on a podcast, but you can see through the spaceship and like see every room in like the detail that he's done in this book is insane. It's like looking at a where's Waldo book, how detailed every little picture is. And you can sit there and stare at this, this, these pages, these panels for a couple minutes, just trying to understand what you're looking at. It's, it's that crazy. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but yeah. Um, Beta Ray Bill, it's only been out for two issues. Those interested. And if you're a fan of Daniel Warren Johnson and haven't read this book, I don't know how you wouldn't have yet. You probably know about it if you're a fan, but, uh, highly recommend if it's only five issues, that makes it even better. You know, short attention span people like myself can take in something like that pretty well. So, uh, besides what I talked about earlier, the NFL draft, that's what I've been geeking out on this week, man. Nice, nice. I'm going to go off script a little bit and ask you a quick question because I was reading a book today and it popped in my head. Are you going to read the new Batman or the next Batman miniseries? The four issues with uh, coming out of Future State? Oh, you know what? My comic shop did actually give me the first issue of that 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 spins out of... I didn't even... I don't think I asked for it, but I think they assumed I wanted it because I did get the Future State Batman books. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have the first one and I haven't read them. I haven't read it yet enough to the point where to decide if I'm going to get them all. If I read the first one and I don't like it, I'll just tell them, you know, I don't really, I'm not really into it. I don't want it, but I'm going to read the first one since I already have it. Uh, it's written by John Ridley, just at the same, the screenwriter from 12 years a slave, I think, uh, who he did write, he did write the future state Batman, the next Batman. So. I mean, to answer your question, yes, I'm reading the first issue at least. <laughs> Long way around, yes, I'm reading it. Yes, <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw an advertisement in another book I was reading today, and okay. I just was going to ask yeah. you. That was just a random question off the cuff. All right, what I'm geeking out sure. on, I'm going a completely different direction here because as of yesterday, I picked up Returnal, which is a PS5 exclusive. 
it's the first real PS5 game outside of like Demon Souls, you know, and I'm not, PS5 hasn't really had many exclusives that weren't also available on PS4. So, because Miles Morales came out, PS4, PS5. Miles Morales was amazing, but it wasn't a PS5 exclusive. Demon Souls, PS5 exclusive, and what I played of it is awesome. But Returnal is really the first big like PS5 exclusive coming out. I was pumped. I couldn't resist myself. I bought it. So I was playing through Returnal. And I put about three hours into the game so far. And it is a, a roguelike game. So for those who don't know, a roguelike game is basically the type of game that every time, basically you do runs. So you play until you die. And when you die, you go back to the beginning of the game. And then you try again to see if you can get further. Now, of course, there are items. There's different things that you unlock that make each run different or easier. So you'll go through the game trying to get something trying to get an item trying to get further and further and further and how far can you get and if you can beat the game so what ultimately when you beat the game you need to go through pretty much the whole thing in one run now you might unlock items or might unlock something that allows you to do shortcuts or do something like that but one of the cool things about this so you don't get bored is that every time you die you start back at the beginning but the map automatically changes so you're not going you're going from room to room but it's different rooms each time so you're never playing the same map twice um so it makes the game extremely challenging which is what the game has kind of come to be known for as being not the easiest of games but you're basically playing it's basically it's heavily alien influenced where basically you are this astronaut named celine who crash lands on this planet and then she's trying to figure out what this planet is and what's going on and what's happening now as she's going along she starts finding like bodies and she starts finding audio logs that she left herself from previous times when she's died so it's like this weird time loop groundhog day type thing where you have celine trying to get further and trying to find the source of this transmission that brought her to the planet but then she's finding all of these dead bodies along the way of herself that's basically trying to solve this mystery of what's going on. There's a lot of other crazy stuff that happens. I'm so far, once again, I'm three hours into this game. I'm digging this game for what it is. Like it's a different kind of play style, but for a PS5 game, it's and it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. But the controller for the PS5 is awesome. <laughs> like the, the the vibration the hepatic feedback you know you play black ops you play some call of duty you play some games miles morales you'll feel where you'll feel resistance in those triggers you know your l2 and your r2 trigger and this is no difference like when you get your alt fire feature for these guns you would hold the button halfway to do the aim down the scope but you hold it down all the way to do your alt fire and because of that like resistance you feel it I still like to squeeze the controller too hard, so I've had to adjust my playing style a little bit. But I'm really digging this game so far. I can definitely see where you could get fall off, you know, especially because of the difficulty and the whole you play a run and then when you die, you go back to the beginning and that can be frustrating for some people. But I'm kind of digging it so far, whether or not I'll stick with it long enough. But for having, it feels really good to play a PS5 exclusive. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about Returnal. I know your eyebrows went up when they said that they weren't going to allow you to do mid-run saves, which has become an actual talking point now where people are worried that uh, the game yeah. is too hard and not accessible to everybody because not everybody has two hours to play a run without being able to save. 
Um, but what were your thoughts on Returnal? You know, I know we both talked about it. I took the plunge and went for it because I had a problem and just wanted to play <laughs> something new. Um, what, what did you hear about that one? Yeah, Returnal's been on my list ever since the <clears throat> gameplay trailer that they came out with um, a while back. I mean, it looks like a gorgeous game uh, from everything I've seen. And the the story in it looks like something that would be right up my alley. Like you said, sci-fi, <clears throat> uh, different planet kind of story kind of thing going on. So I've always had it on my list, and I, I'm sure I was going to jump on it at some point. But the recent stories coming out about the difficulty level and the save um the save controversy that it it, it's it's spaced out between saves to the point of it frustrating some people is a little concerning to me and i think the company i i mean forgive me i don't the name of the company right okay yeah they, they even responded to it and like we hear the community we hear you guys but at this point there's no um changes in place or in mind for right now so just like thank you for the feedback kind of a thing um so who knows if they're gonna change it in like a a patch or something in the future but yeah that that much of a stretch if it could three hour stretch between saves does sound concerning to people like you said i don't always have a three hour stretch to sit and play a game and if i were to die in a game like even an hour in and I couldn't save that would like be frustrating to me as a gamer. Well, see when you die though, you go back to the beginning. So then it doesn't matter. Okay. So, cause every time you die, you go back to the beginning of the game. Beginning so of the entire game, entire game. You go right back to where your ship crashed and then you go in through the first door. But then once you go through the first door, it looks different than the last time you were there. So every run looks different, but once you die, you're you, so you can save, you know, so people are complaining because you can't save mid run. And since some runs like, okay, so yesterday I played the first, first run that you do in the game, you pretty much die pretty quick because they want to set up the, the cycle. So you kind of run through, you do some stuff and then they pretty much go, all right, they throw you up against a boss that you can't beat it's like a one hit boss and you die and then after that my second run i went i played for about an hour and i made it all the way to the first like stage boss and then i died and mm-hmm. went back to the beginning but then and then when you play like i said they reorganize it's automatic like it's automatic ju- generated the levels so basically the levels are all made up of room to room to room to room to room and those rooms all shuffle around. So some rooms look familiar, like, oh, I saw this room before, but it wasn't in this place. So each, the map basically repopulates itself every run. So every run is technically different. And you'll see different right. things. But then once you die, you go back to the beginning, whatever. So I think the main people that people have, main thing that people have problem with is the fact that they're like, well, I might be playing for a two hour run. And if I can't finish in two hours, like I get interrupted or I have to go or I only have 45 minutes to play a game, but I'm on a good run. What do I do now? In my opinion, one, this game lets you pause, which most like Demon Souls, you can't pause Demon Souls. You can stand in a corner and hope no one comes to kill you, but you can't pause that game. You might be able to go into like the PlayStation (laughs) menu, but Demon Souls, you can't pause. This game, you can at least pause 
and take a break for a second. And two, you have rest mode. So you can put that damn thing in rest mode and come back to it when you're ready. And they at least give you that option. And, you know, I don't know. To me, that's enough. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that a mid, mid, mid run save will happen or a manual save that you can save in mid run, but I'm not, I'm not craving it. I haven't come across a situation where I wished I had it. I'm just kind of looking at it as I got runs. So I play, which sounds terrible. I got, I got the runs, but you know, I have a run <laughs> that I play. So I'm just like, well, I'm going to do a run real quick and however long it lasts, it lasts. And, you know, if it starts lasting too long, I'll either pause, put it in rest, or I'll just die and try again. You know, it's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all, all the stuff coming out in the past couple of days isn't going to deter me from wanting to play this game. It's just like, also, people are going to find stuff to complain about no matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, you can't please everyone with everything. The game's too hard. The game's too this. But, uh, so, yeah, it's not going to deter me from from trying this game and, and getting this game, but. But it's just, it's something to, to talk about, you know. If, if it's not for you, you know, you read the description. A lot of times you hear about a game coming out or something's coming out. They explain to you, oh, it's a live service game. Well, if you don't like live service games, then this game's not going to be for you. All right, don't spend your money on it. It's not that, you know, if you hear about this type of game and it's a roguelike game where you know every time you die, you go back to the beginning. If that doesn't sound like it's for you, don't buy the game. You know, that's not, I mean, that's just what it comes down to now i was wanted i was hard up for a playstation a ps5 games having a new ps5 game to play and then with that controller like i said there's there's a part in the beginning or anytime you walk outside and it's raining on you because this planet the the initial zone is raining you feel each raindrop on the controller which is awesome like just the immerse the the way that that controller immerses you in the world is crazy and it's it's fun to just like i said really see what this ps5 can do and being one of the lucky yeah. ones able to get a ps5 somehow um gamestop bundles is how it's done spend more money but you get your ps5 shout out shout out gamestop for getting us our ps5s yeah those those bundles you know not everybody wanted to drop all that money but i was like you know what i want a ps5 so and I've, I've been having a ton of fun with a uh, sack boy that came with it. I don't care what anybody says. That game's hilariously fun. I know it's on my list <laughs> to grab. And, and, and as I'm complaining about not wanting, not wanting an actual PS5 exclusive, I probably should have grabbed sack boy by now, but um, it's coming. It's coming. I got a job. Sure. I'm learning how to make money. Again. It's, it's <laughs> nice. um, the other thing I'm going to take a complete wide turn here. Um, just for what I'm geeking out on because I did it way too much this week. But I'm going to actually go music here oh. for this geeking out. Um, Don talked about earlier about how he's a lifelong drummer. We both played trumpet for years. Music has actually been a huge part in our life. We've never mentioned it on this show before, but actually the theme song for our show is something that we wrote back when we were 18. That's something that Don and another group of guys remade and brought back to life. Um, in a band called Bread and Bottle that they did in Chicago. So, you know, we're we're punk rockers and whatever else we want to be, but we're music. Yep. I mean, no, no exclusions in genres of music. We'll listen to anything. But there's a band called Tiger's Jaw, and they released a new album about a month ago. And this week, I just fell down the rabbit hole, and I have not been able to stop listening to this album. It is called Tiger's Jaw is the name of the band. And the album was called I Won't Care How You Remember Me. And it's kind of like a punk rock, a little bit more poppy than straight up like punk rock. 
but um, I don't know the, their style of music. I was fortunate enough before the world shut down. I saw them live playing with the men zingers and culture abuse, which are both extreme, more hardcore bands than Tiger's Jaw in the middle was, but they were just, if that was an amazing show. And they did a great job live. When they this record came out a few weeks ago, they did a live concert, which is still available up on YouTube, um, where you can watch them play this whole album in the entirety live, which was awesome to have a few drinks and just kind of sit here with the music blasting and just try to see a live show. I'm hard up for live shows at the moment. I just can't wait to get back to seeing live music. And uh, this album, I don't care how you remember me, like I said, it's a little bit poppy, but mostly kind of punk rock. And they have a male and a female singer. So they go back and forth between who sings what songs. And I just really dig this album a lot. I listened to it quite a few times this week on top of then Spotify radio kind of would take it from after that. Um, so I'm definitely gonna throw a link to this album. If you're into that style of music, like I said, I think you won't be disappointed in that. But like I said, this won't be the last time we talk about music on this show because I guarantee you, and when we start going, we're definitely wanna dive in because I know Don and I are always sending each other suggestions for different bands that we like. We do fall down a little bit more of a punk rock genre, but we have our moments where we, we definitely jump out from that. So definitely any suggestions, music, shoot it our way because we will definitely check that out. Yeah, I just, uh, based on your suggestion, I just downloaded it onto my Spotify right now. So I'll check it out because we do have similar tastes in music most of the time. Yeah, man. Sounds cool. I'll check it out. Hey, man, that's great to hear. Hopefully you guys enjoy that as well. Well, I think that's everything that we geeked out on this week. Definitely, once again, as I said, we're gonna, I'm going to throw some links in the description. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, make sure you check it out on whatever platform those things are available on. I think we got a lot of good stuff in there. If you haven't checked it out, to make sure you do. But I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Without the Falcon, we still ended up filling up some time. So it's good to know that we can still do this without having an MCU show at our backs, man. You can tell we're friends because we just like to bullshit with each other for <laughs> hours, apparently. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Cool. So, And hopefully that's good for you guys as well because you get to listen to us bullshit. Um, you get you get in on a, on us bullshitting so that's good but make sure you definitely go and leave us those reviews on all of our podcasts and social media services we're over on twitter at raise the geek we're over on gmail at raise the geek at gmail.com definitely hit us up shoot us those reviews of five stars but that's going to wrap us up for this week so until next time i'm chris and i'm don uh thanks for listening to the raised a geek podcast where we all speak geek.